on today's episode, we discuss the cruel murderer Colin Ireland and the tragic murder of Judith Barcy. You're listening to Bad in the Boondocks, baby. Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks. People put it down, but what you're supposed to do in a small town. Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks. Lord have mercy, can't help being bad in the boondocks. Hey, and welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Dan. And I'm Drew. And as always, we're so glad that you're here. Yep. I would just like to remind everybody this one little thing. Go to Himalaya. Download that Himalaya app. Find us on Himalaya. We're bad in the boondocks on Himalaya. And from there, you can become a premium member, which will give you um, episodes, extra episodes. And that is you get a mini-sode every other week, and you get a full episode once a month. It's great. All for only $4.99 a month. Wait, did you say $4.99 a month? That's right, but Wait. Do it right now, and guess what else you'll receive? You will receive access to the community. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Also, <laughs> from there, if you don't want to do a month-to-month thing, you can send us a tip. And I don't know. would be great. Not just the not tip just of a dick. <laughs> uh. But, no, you can send tips. So, if you just want to do a one-time donation, um, there's a little coin-looking thing. You can send us a tip there. Um, you can also send us a tip at... I'll have to get back next time on that. <laughs> a tip. Yeah, I forgot about that. Anyway. But, or you can go to Patreon. Yeah. And we would love to thank our brand new Patreon member that is a yes. growing boondocker. Yep. Yes, we really want to thank Shannon Brent, or if it's pronounced Shanann Brent, however way you want to say that. Thank you so much for supporting our show and it is important that people support us because we make no money off of it unless you support us and we do have to pay to do this next up i really want to thank all of these awesome freaking great reviews that we've been getting oh we've got some really good ones and let me tell you they just make our day make our week because i'm getting old as Fuck y'all. I done went to the doctor today. You're really I got, not. I got oh. high blood pressure. I'm on blood pressure medicine. I got extremely high cholesterol. I'm on cholesterol medicine. Low testosterone. <laughs> I'll be getting shots for that. Send if you think the 36 is old. I don't think that's I'm old. I'm 37. You're 36. You sure? No, 37. <laughs> You're 37? Well, yeah, I know. I just realized this at the doctor. Oh, my gosh. I'm 37 On the paper, years old. It said 37, and I said, holy shit. I thought well, I was you 36. Know, Wawa, great-grandmother still calls him a little child, so. <laughs> but, y'all, y'all need to help me out. I'm a little depressed about all this shit. Yeah, well. And I'm thinking maybe I just need to retire from the podcast and let Drew do it by himself. 
You're full of shit, dude. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, right. You're full of it. I mean, I don't even think I'm that much of any use on the podcast. You got to be joking. No. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. You're such bullshit. No, I'm not. Right anyway. Yes, you are. Whatever. All right. So that's all the news. How? You're the one who does the damn editing, dumbass. I guess I can sit in my in my lift chair and do that. <laughs> what a thing is a lift. Anyway, um, yeah, I parked him close to the store so that he wouldn't have to walk all the way to this crystal. Okay, well, I think that you went first last time, so yeah, that means that I get to go first this time. Yay. But before I start, before my throat gets parched. Oh my God. Me, <laughs> don't do that. Excuse me, but my, my throat, throat is, is a little parched. parched. I need to take a sip of drink. And please don't, please don't criticize me for calling him a dumbass. It's not personal. It's just playing. Mm, really, it's not. Um, it you is, should see uh, the abuse that I get. <laughs> you're so full of it. Anyway. Dude, you want to Okay, well. Let me start, if I may. May I? I don't know if you want to. Is it good? I think all of them are good. I'd hope that it's good. Okay. Abuse. (laughs) Y'all can't see the abuse, but trust me. I don't do anything to you. All right, y'all. Well, we often say that people just don't choose to become addicts or killers, you know? I hope not. Right, you don't. But you could be taught into it. But then there is at least one killer that did. He aspired to become an infamous serial killer and set out to reach his goal. (laughs) Well, whenever teachers say, be what you want to be, I meant he took a little too personal, right? Yeah. That man was named Colin Ireland. Dubbed as the Gay Slayer or Jack the Gripper. For real? All of Colin's victims were homosexual men. Colin was born in 1954, and he was raised by his mother and maternal grandparents in Dartford, Kent. As a child, he was thin and lanky and seemed to get the worst of what schoolyard bullies had to give out. However, by the time he was an adolescent, Colin began getting into trouble of his own making. At the age of 16, he committed his first crime. In order to run away to London, he stole four pounds. But he was caught and sent to Finchton Manor School in Kent. This school only accepted boys that had both intelligence and emotional problems. They could have took me in. (laughs) Colin was once again teased and bullied here. For revenge, he set fire to one of the boys' belongings. Although he was not charged for this, Colin was made to leave Finchton Manor. So, he ran away to London. In London, Colin was homeless and penniless. So, what did he do? I don't know. Well, he resorted to robbery. At 17 years of age, once again, Colin was caught. You know, maybe robbery isn't the crime for him. He needs to start up a tea shop. Exactly. Or a brewing company. Yes. That would be great. A brewing company. And he was sentenced to Hollisley Bay, which was a borstal. And borstals were notorious British reform schools that were infamous for their brutal and severe tactics. 
It's Borstal. I know. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking of Bristol. So. Virginia? That's, that's a, a place? Yeah, in Virginia. I mean, I sort of knew that, okay. but I was thinking about, I thought like Bristol's was a thing. Oh, I, think I thought I'm, you were telling me that. I like, think I'm talking about hostels. Yeah. Oh, you might be, yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, Hollis, Hollis did offer therapy and vocational training, though, but Colin hated it. And once more, what did he do? He ran away. Ran away. Mm-hmm. Again caught. He was made to serve the remainder of his sentence in far stricter borstals. Finally, in 1972, 10 years from my birth year. Since my birth year is 82. 72. Yeah, 10 years from See, it. You know, we always say story. that. Yeah, yes, but it's still a exact, story that yeah. wasn't around at that time. Colin turned 18 and he was free. Not much more is known about his life until 1975 when Colin was 21. He was found guilty of two counts of burglary. Wow. He just two won't. counts. He won't give up on stealing, though. No, I meant. For this, he was sentenced to 18 months in prison. Not serving quite his whole sentence, he was released in November of 1976. Um, from prison, Colin went to live in Swindon. It was here that he met his second girlfriend. You say these places like I know where they are. Oh, thought you did. <laughs> no. Is, I wonder if it's all cloudy in England. And rainy time. all the time. Let us know. Shoot us a message. Actually, I just watched. Never mind. I won't even get into it. But it's a weatherman. Okay. Well, anyway. Here he met a second girlfriend. Okay. Mm-hmm. She was five years older than him. And already had four children. So 23. With her, he lost his virginity. Finally. They lived together a few months and planned to marry. But in 1977, he was found guilty of demanding with menace and was once again sentenced to another 18 months in prison. In 1980, he was again caught for robbery and sentenced two years in prison. And again... you think that would get old. All yo, what the... Again, he was not made to serve his full time, and in 1981, he was out again. At a lecture on survivalism, Colin met Virginia Zamet. She was nine years older than him at 36 years old. She had a five-year-old daughter and was confined to a wheelchair after being paralyzed in a car accident at the age of 24. Oh, that would be awful. Yes, it would. But the couple were married in 1982, my birth year. And Colin absolutely adored his wife and stepdaughter. But in 1985, Colin was sentenced for six months for deception. Virginia also found out that Colin had cheated on her, so they were divorced in 1987. Colin was married one more time. But while this wife was away, he cleared out her apartment and, knowing her PIN number, completely cleared out her bank account. She never heard from him again and was forced to live in a homeless shelter. Colin was no longer lanky at this time. He was now burly and six foot two. Burly. He's almost like you, just big bad man. (laughs) Except I'm short. But muscular. Whatever. He's a muscle man. Do you look cute, Gabriel? I will not. 
You've already done it twice. No, I haven't. Okay. It's not cute. Anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> my damn giggle. Anyway. Um, twice married and twice divorced and homeless himself, Colin next volunteered to manage a homeless shelter in London. He doesn't have very much luck with women, does he? Women, crime, or anything, really, at this point. However, an explosive temper cost him his job. A colleague at the shelter described Colin as troubled and not knowing what to do with his life. But you know what? Colin knew exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to become a serial killer. In 1993, Colin equipped with his murder kit here, which was ropes, gloves, a knife, and a change of clothes in case things got messy. Colin found his first victim. It was Peter Walker, a 45-year-old theater director. Colin met him at a London gay SM bar. And I know a lot of people say S&M. However, the correct per- what um, is SM. Because it's not sado and masochism. It's sadomasochism. So it's SM. Anyway. Wait. There's I'm, a little tip for y'all guys that are in the... what? what? It's not S&M. Because it's not called sado and masochism. It's called sadomasochism. S-M. S-M, yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. <laughs> well, I never called it S-M. Okay. I just people said Sado Oh, do you really? <laughs> Macacism. Yeah. Okay, well, Colin was posing as a top dominant, and Walker was a submissive bottom. Wow. Colin went back to Walker's flat with him. When they got back to his flat, the first thing that Colin did was gag Walker with a knotted condom. Was it used? No. No? Okay. This was just foreplay. Walker then allowed Colin to tie him to his four-poster bed with cord. This was turning out to be a really fun night for Walker. Fun. Until next, when Colin pulled out his murder kit. Next, he started to viciously beat the bound and gagged Walker with a belt and his fists. Talking about rough sex. After this, Colin placed a paper bag, a plastic bag, over Walker's head until he was close to suffocation. Then he removed it. While Walker recovered, he would put it back on his head. He repeated this over and over and over, becoming euphoric over his absolute control. Colin told Walker he was going to die. Then he did not remove the bag. Colin would later compare this feeling of killing with losing his virginity. Before leaving, Colin jammed knotted condoms into Walker's mouth and nostrils. And then he arranged two teddy bears on top of the now-deceased Walker in a 69 position. Wow. Walker had two dogs that Colin left shut in a room, and when the body had still not been discovered two days later, Colin called a newspaper and said that he was worried about the dead man's dogs. He also said that it was his New Year's resolution to murder a homosexual human being. After this, He took money out of Walker's account to reimburse himself for the clothing, shoes, and other items that he had to dispose of after the murder. Remember, he was homeless at this time. 
and he couldn't afford to replace these things. Just two months later, Colin was thirsting to kill again. So on May 28, 1993, he went back to the same bar that he had met Walker at. There he met 37-year-old Christopher Dunn, who was a librarian. You know, those are really naughty people. (laughs) Christopher, another submissive. And Colin went back to Christopher's flat, where they settled in and watched some SM porn. Afterwards, Colin tied up a willing Christopher's feet, handcuffed his hands, and turned him face down. That is when he burned him with a lighter. Christopher, now realizing this was something far sinister than what he signed up for, told Colin his pin number. Colin, in response, strangled him to death with a cord. Might as well have just not even told him the pin number, you know. Colin cleaned up the scene meticulously after, before he left. Now, that was May 28th, right? On June 4th, 1993, just six days after killing Christopher Dunn, Ireland once again returned to the bar. On this night, he went home with 35-year-old Perry Bradley. Perry Bradley, he was a closet homosexual and was rather new to the scene. Perry was reluctant to being tied up. Colin had to persuade him. He told him that that was the only way he could get aroused. After tying Perry up, Colin began torturing him and obtained his PIN number also and then killed him. It was June 7th when authorities found the corpse of Perry. Like the others, the victim was naked and bound, strangled, his credit cards were missing. This time, a doll was placed on top of the body in a very sexual position. Days later, Colin phoned the police and told them that he had killed Perry. He also told them that he planned on being a serial killer and that he had studied the FBI manual for details of technique and that he knew the required body count. It was now that Colin felt like he was losing control. He later told detectives that he had reached a point where he was just speeding up and getting far worse with the impulses. He said it was like a roller coaster. He made another call to the police, and it was almost like a plea for detectives to catch him. In this call, he said, Are you interested in the death of Peter Walker? Why have you stopped the investigation? Doesn't the death of a homosexual mean anything to you? I will do another. I have always dreamed of doing the perfect murder. Still, on June 7th, Ireland went back to the bar and picked up 33-year-old Andrew Collier. When returning to Andrew's flat, Ireland handcuffed and tied him to the bed. He then strangled him to death. He also choked the life from Andrew's cat. He then arranged its lifeless carcass on top of Collier's corpse with the tip of its tail covered in a condom in Andrew's mouth. He attached the cat's mouth onto the tip of his penis, which also had a condom. Wow. Talk about a pussy on a penis. Oh my God, that was so dirty anyway. This time, while cleaning up, Colin missed one fingerprint on a window frame. 
which was found by police later. On June 15th, Colin met Emmanuel Spiretti. I mean, he actually did pretty good, killed him. Yeah, he really did. A 41-year-old chef. They went back to Emmanuel's apartment on the premise of sex. Once there, Colin bound and strangled him. He then spent the night eating and watching television. This time, Colin set fire to the apartment before he left, but the flames went out only causing minor damage. (laughs) (laughs) So the guy lived, right? No, he's dead. Yeah, but you just said that he spent the night. The chef. No, the chef didn't spend the night. Colin spent the night after he killed him. Eating his food. He was already dead. The chef was the man that he killed. He was a chef. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was his occupation. Okay. Or his job. Yeah. J-O-B. Yeah. (laughs) The flames went out after only causing minor damage, and Colin called the police the next day and informed them of the crime. By this time, authorities finally admitted that they had a serial killer on their hands. Before they could make the announcement, though, Colin rang them up again and said, I have read a lot of books on serial killers. I think it is for people that the FBI classify as serial. So I may stop now. I've done five. I just wanted to see if it could be done. I will probably never offend again. The FBI manual actually stated that three killings made for a bona fide serial killer. But Colin was correct that he would never offend again. This last killing prompted Scotland Yard to launch a mass publicity campaign. A security camera yielded photos of Emmanuel with a heavyset man. Colin was a little heavyset. Yeah. The photos were released and several London gay men reported having meetings with the man. On July 19, 1993, Colin approached a solicitor and admitted that he was the man in the photo. He said that Emmanuel was alive and well when he left his apartment, but police soon matched the fingerprint that was left behind at the Collier crime scene. On August 19, 1993, Colin finally crumbled and confessed to all five homicides. December 20th, after pleading guilty on all counts, he was sentenced to five terms of life imprisonment. This time, Colin Ireland would never get out of prison. For Colin Ireland, the man who had tortured five other human beings in their last moments of life and had suffocated them all to death, well, he died of natural causes in February of 2012. He was 57 years old. Wow. (laughs) That was... Yeah. And that is Colin Ireland. Yeah. You don't have to act like an ass. That was that was pretty that was pretty good. I ain't gonna lie to you. But um Do you have something for us? Now my my throat's really parched. Oh my gosh, my throat's really parched. But before we get to your story, I've just gotta tell you. I want y'all to go check out. Another South Carolina. Winian. South Carolinian. Well, I was going to say something else, but. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another South Carolinian podcast. And uh, so freaking weird. They 
grew up like about 20 minutes from us. So that is cool as hell. Yeah. So go check them out. They are called the Backwoods Barcast. But let me let them tell you about it. Good evening, ma'am. Hey, y'all. What can I do you for? Can I have a glass of Chardonnay? I'm sorry, darling. We don't serve that here. Any Merlot? I'm pretty sure you don't want these feet going nowhere near them grapes. Alrighty, how about a craft beer? Oh yeah, we got plenty of craft beer. Which one you want? No, not craft beer. Craft beer. Oh, no, hell no. I'm, I'm pretty sure the bar down the street serves that. Okay, well, what do you serve? I'm glad you asked. Welcome to the Backwoods Barcast. We serve up moonshine, cheap beer, bottom shelf liquor, and stories even harder to swallow. Join Nick. And Brittany. And the janitor, Steven, as we discuss southeastern mysteries and mayhem, including but not limited to UFOs, true crime, the paranormal, and much more. So knock four times, grab a stool, let the bar talk commence, and as always, drink more beer. So make sure that you go and check out that. The, bar, back, the Backwoods Woods Barcast. Bar Damn. <laughs> I told y'all I'm, I'm about to die, I think. You're not about to die, okay? You'd probably be glad. Why do you say that? Just a feeling I have. Oh my goodness, whatever. Everything that he tells you I'm is I'm very full. emotional. I'm low in testosterone. Everything that he tells you is full of crap. No, it's not. Everything that you say about me is full of crap. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Do you have a story Please send con freaking reviews telling Stanley how great he is. Oh, shut up. That he's the main one on the podcast, so he'll shut up. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> yes, you did at the very beginning, and then you said it whenever I just you... don't feel like anybody cares about it. Oh, me. my God, dude. Whatever. Do you have a story for us? <laughs> yes, I've got a story. And from what I hear, it's a, a goodie. Okay. It's a goodie woody. Fine. <laughs> I... I came across this and I was like, okay, let's do it. You her told na- me it was good. Her name is Judith Barcy, which I've already told you the now name. Who is Judith Barcy? Seems like I've heard of that before. You told me that you hadn't heard of it. I know, but then you told me who she was, so then I heard of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm just going to get into it and I'll get into who she is, okay? Okay. okay. You know, that's what got you in trouble before when you just got into it. You're I so told you, you always funny. need to know what you're getting into. Oh my goodness, whatever. But um, penicillin cures a lot of stuff, Dalton. Go ahead. I ain't wanting to bring you out. That's, a, that's <laughs> an asshole move. That's an asshole move. I feel Go like ahead. I've I may just not treat it. Oh shit! Still <laughs> I'm just itching. kidding. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Okay, um, I got to clear my parched throat. Oh my goodness! I told you about that from the beginning. Quit saying parched. I, that, I never said parched until oh my today. Gosh, she said, oh my gosh, I'm so thirsty, so <laughs> I have to take a sip of my drink first, and then clank, 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 <laughs> put it back down. Okay, okay, here we go. That's exactly you. <laughs> but anyways, when you become a parent, you cherish your child. Well, at least I hope that you will or do. You hold their little body when they're born. You love them with all of your heart. And then they crush that heart. Then they just crush it. (laughs) Shut up. 
and make you feel sad. I never do that. Actually, I'm the one actually trying to I make you happier. I especially today, I've tried to I be as uplifting as possible. You. I did not say you. Yes, you were. Oh my God, y'all! My I'm sorry for interrupting. Please last, be quiet okay. so that I can get right. into it. Okay, no one cares about about. Okay. What were you about saying? Nothing. It doesn't matter because nobody cares about whisper. Anything I say whisper it to me. That my daughter just had her first. Shut up. Dot. Shut, shut the fuck up. Don't say that on the podcast. <laughs> They're so precious to that. you as you watch them take their first footsteps, setting a good example for your children and keeping them safe should be the main goal. Then they're off to live their life on their own. Or not. Yeah, those of you still 30 and living with your mom in the basement, sorry if I offended you. But you might be 30 living with us. I will not be. Why not? Because I'm not doing that. I just can't do it. Well, then get out. I will whenever I've got the funds. You can have the funds. Anyways. Judith Varsi never got to experience the aspects of growing up and never got the love from her father. The story's heartbreaking. How could anyone do something so horrible to their own baby girl? Judith Varsi was a beautiful 10-year-old girl loved by everyone, or almost everyone. She was a very talented young girl, gaining success for being in commercials and also movies. Her way to stardom grew. She was a child actress. She starred in movies like Growing Pains, Jaws 4, and Fatal Visions, and All Dogs Go to Heaven, except Wait. I don't think she actually made... I thought that was a cartoon. Yeah. So voice. Bo- oh. <laughs> voice. <laughs> I was like, well, how in the hell was she But she auditioned, but I don't think she actually... Oh, she had make got, Well, it was too late. But anyways, on a Wednesday morning in July, firemen found the gruesome sight of the murdered bodies of Judith Barcy and her mother, Maria. They had both been killed by Judith's father, Joseph Barcy. After committing this evil act... That's a weird last name, Barcy. Yeah. He set fire to the house, went to the garage, and killed himself. I'll get into that. There was just no love in Joseph's heart for his family. His violence tracked back to when he was just a boy in Hungary. To grow up without a father and in Hungary not having a father was really a crime. People would constantly make fun of him for not having a father. He had no self-esteem because being bullied. What? He's sitting over there like a crackhead, smiling at the I sky. I just was smiling at my son <laughs> that I love so much. Whatever. Um, the only time he really felt decent was whenever he was drinking. Oh, I feel you. He married his first wife, and this was an abusive relationship. He had a daughter with her named Augie. Well, wait, wait, wait. What? Named what? Augie. Augie? Yes. That's the ugliest name I've ever heard. And I'm sorry if any of y'all are named Augie, but it's an ugly name. Go ahead. Whatever. This marriage ended. So he Yeah, fled. because he named the child Augie. I'd get divorced too. He fled communist Hungary. 
1956. Then he eventually relocated to New York in 1967, not too sure of where them eight years went to. Where them eight years went to? Yeah, I don't know. But then he went to California. California? Yep. He married... Shut up. He married his second and final wife, Maria Vera Fox. Maria what? Vera Fox. Vera Vox, whatever. When she was a child, she suffered abuse from her father, and I guess she thought this was how relationships were supposed to be like, so she entered you know, that into a lot. she entered into an abusive relationship. So Joseph grew up in an environment with tormenting people, and Maria was full of greed, perhaps from the success that Judith had brought. What are you doing with this? <laughs> what are you doing with Bob? Nothing. Gosh, Bob is our fuzzy hair, is our hair, is our hairpiece yes. for Bob. It was a little out of place. but Maria basically forced Judith into becoming an actress, most likely for the money and to live the American dream. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, even though the role on the movie Fatal Vision was whenever she was five and playing a toddler, that was enough to put her name out there. She appeared in over 70 commercials and played guest roles on TV. Once she start, started the fourth grade, she was making $100,000 a year. Whoa. You which know, is five was, times what you make. Speaking fine. of being famous, <laughs> yeah. I was in a fetish fashion show once. No one cares. Okay, well, I won't go into what it was, but Thanks it was the good. Lord. I won't tell you what I Well, anyways, on. that money was used to it buy the hot. family a three-bedroom house in West Hills, Los Angeles. How many fetish fashion shows have you been in? Judith was was a pretty small girl when she was ten years old. She was only three foot eight inches tall. <laughs> and Rayanna, my sister, never mind. I won't go into that. Yeah, she's thank a lot you. larger. <laughs> this attracted directors for her to play roles of seven and eight year old children. Judith very much succeeded, and the bigger she got, the more abusive, jealous. And paranoid Joseph got. Seems like, though, that he would be glad to have that money rolling in. You would think that. I mean, you would, really would. Family said that he would threaten to kill himself, Maria, and Judith. Joseph was arrested three times for drunk driving. His drinking and abusive behavior worsened. December 1986, Maria reported everything to the police and when police tried to find marks on her body from the abuse, they cannot find any. So, Maria decided not to press any charges against him. Supposedly, Joseph stopped drinking after she reported him to the police. He stopped drinking, but the threats carried on. One time, he put a knife to Judith's throat and threatened to cut her throat open. He did the same thing to Maria, said he was going to burn the house down. Judith became so afraid of her father. His behaviors he exhibited carried over from his first marriage he had in Hungary. It's like he was so abusive, but yet was so afraid that they would leave him. 
Judith really had nowhere to go. Maria would not leave him for some reason, and they had the money where they could have escaped this abuse anywhere that they wanted to go. Judith told a friend that her father threw pots and pans at her, hitting her in the face and resulting in a nosebleed. She also told friends that she was so afraid of her father. Because of this abuse, she began putting on weight and was so messed up that she began yanking out her own <laughs> eyelashes. I and do that sometimes. No, you don't. Not like I her. I do, though. Not like her, though. You mind. just do like, and then you'll People cannot wait, see wait. what you're doing. <laughs> you'll pull it out, then you'll look at it. Then but if we do a live show, y'all can you'll see do what it, was doing. Then you'll do it the other time. Yeah, I'm really thinking about that. That would be really great. Let us know. Send us a message. Who wants us to do a live show? I think that would be really cool. Absolutely. I don't think anybody would want to see us. Why not? Well, they'd want to see you. What are you freaking talking about, dude? What was your story? You got more likes on... My picture did. Yes. Proves that people like you better. Whatever. (laughs) They're just shallow. But anyways, she would basically just like... Ow. You mean like actually pluck them out like you're... Yes, like... How did her eyelid not rip off? Like, just like a schizophrenic... Like... I don't know. Just like schizophrenic... that do that. Whatever you call it. I ain't... Oh, you talking about like Tourette's? Yes, almost like that, really. And she began pulling out the cat's whiskers. That is animal abuse. Hey, I mean, she was messed up because of the father. Wait, so was she still acting and stuff with no eyelashes? I mean, I assume that they grew back the time that she wasn't doing movies, right? And some movies, were, she's some movies were smaller than others, right? That's what she said. Yeah, whatever. Judith <laughs> and Maria went on a trip to the Bahamas to film for the movie Jaws. Well, let's see. Joseph went into Judith's room the night before and again put a knife to her throat, threatening to kill her if she and her mother did not return. Okay, motherfucker, I'm gone tonight. Come Wait back. a second. This is This is the reason. Look. Whenever they went to go shoot for the movie, Maria tried to tell as many people as she could that she was scared for her life and Judith's life because of Joseph. No one took her seriously. Of course they didn't. And when Joseph called Judith over the phone threatening to slice her throat open, Maria returned home. Can I just interrupt for a second? What? That is a problem that even today, I know this is not, but it wasn't too long ago, but... People need to start taking children more seriously whenever they say something is going on. See, they don't take them seriously. They really that's don't. Really the they problem. really don't. I'm talking about with sexual abuse and everything. Anything. They play it off like it's nothing, and then and something then, bigger and then happens, they die and then they want to say, oh my gosh, I'm so fucking hurt. And that's hurt. why so many children don't not. speak out, because nobody believes them, and then it's like they go to their parents and even tell their mother or something, hey, so-and-so and is tiddling my fiddle. that can be what forms a killer. Or them to kill themselves. Yes. That Which would still be a killer, technically. But no, I'm saying like, um, you know, like the girl in 13 Reasons Why, except she actually didn't try to tell anybody. But I didn't watch that. You did. Well, anyways. It was very boring. Well, I found it fascinating. Well, have you watched second season? 
I don't want to watch the second season. If I, I turned it on, stupid. then you would have to watch it. I know. Like, I would, keep I on until keep it's on over. watching it. I always start stuff like, and what? never finish it. But um, Maria never left Joseph, possibly because if she left, Judith would have to end her acting career and go into hiding. That just wasn't an option because she had no job and the only income came in from Judith. While auditioning for the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven, Judith broke down in tears and was sent to a child psychologist who identified severe severe physical and emotional abuse. The psychologist reported this to Child Protective Services. Maria told them that she was divorcing Joseph. Joseph, and she and her daughter were moving to Panorama City, Los Angeles. Of course, she never went through with this from the risk of losing her family and all that money that Judith was making, not her. Little did she know that this would be the worst mistake of her life. The morning of July 25th, 1988, Judith was last seen riding her bike. That night, while she was sleeping, Joseph went into her room and shot her. He then went into Maria's room and shot her as well. The next night, Judith's agent called and Joseph said that he was moving out for good, but just needed a little bit of time to say goodbye to his baby girl. He spent the next two days lingering around the house. He then poured gasoline over the bodies and set them on fire. While the flames began to burn the house, he made his way to the garage. There he shot himself in the head with a thirty-two caliber pistol. On August 9, 1988, a funeral service was held at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Los Angeles, remembering the loved Judith and Maria, her mother's greed and father's abuse totally impacted and destroyed Judith. And that's all I've got. But what did he get? Oh, he shot himself. Yeah. All right. Well, that was pretty screwed up, if you ask me, and you didn't, but I'm just telling you. Thank you for your advice. The thing that pisses me off about stories like that, though, is if the guy or the person is going to kill their self, kill yourself first before you kill others. Yeah, that's a pussy move, dude. Killing yourself after you've done it. After. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm showing, it's like you're showing some sort of remorse afterwards. Well, do it before you do that. You know what I'm saying? I meant do it before you kill other people. All right, you guys. That's, I meant. Yeah. That's all that we have for you. Check out our Twitter, Instagram. Look up Bad in the Boondocks. You'll find us. Press that follow button if you want to start a little separate chat going and just send a little, send a little chat or yeah. email us at bad in Boondocks at gmail.com. Email us. Help me bring up my spirits because they're mighty low these days. Oh, no, my goodness. They are. I'm don't, sorry, but don't I'm even just listen very to them. Don't even listen to them. <laughs> I am. Or send some reviews so that he'll quit bugging me about about uselessness. Well, I just feel like I might would be better off quitting. What, and me taking over the whole thing? Yeah. 
So if that's what y'all want, just let us know. Oh my god. Okay, whatever. Um, just anyway, send, send as many comments go to him and reviews as you can. Tell him to be quiet, please. We love y'all for listening. Please tell a friend. Help yeah. us get this thing growing. Yep. I mean, the podcast, not my thing. The podcast. <laughs> Wait. As always, I'm Stan. And I'm always Drew, and we'll see you next time there. And that and the boondocks, baby. Every time, it's always the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>